All right, welcome everyone to the Ben and Corey podcast. I'm Corey Novotny. And I'm Benjamin Carlson. We have an all-football episode coming for you today as the NFL is now in its final month of the season with only four games to go and the college football playoff field and all the other bowl game matchups have been set. This is definitely an exciting time of year for the two of us with all these important football games that will be played in the coming months. It is now December, and we are in the final quarter of the 2018 NFL regular season. We've made our predictions for every game still to play this season, so we'll tell you who we think will finish at the top of the standings and earn a coveted bye week, which teams will survive the home stretch, and earn, and who will earn the two wildcard spots. With both conferences looking like they'll come down to the wire, and ultimately the teams that will be left outside of the field and watching the playoffs from home. After months of debate, the college football playoff field has been finalized, and Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma are the last four teams standing with a chance to claim this season's national championship. We'll give our thoughts and predictions on the tournament, as well as previews and picks for the remaining New Year's Six Bowl games. And in honor of Corey's upcoming appearance on Affable Chat, we count down our favorite movies we watched for the first time in 2018 in today's top five. getting back into our NFL talk and only four games left in the season at this point we have a decent idea of you know who at least is going to be a contender who's who still has a chance at getting those bye weeks uh, you know number one seed winning divisions and ultimately those two wildcard spots and uh, you know that it's almost playoff time when ESPN comes out with their NFL playoff machine so to help us out with this, we did go through and make our picks for all the rest of the games. And uh, I know it's something that we did at the very beginning of the season, and we had somewhat wild results with that. It, it is so much easier to make these predictions at this point. I think it's obvious, <laughs> but it's also worth saying. I think I'm a yep. lot more confident in my choices this time. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, you know, there, there's obviously going to be some some things that still come up that we aren't prepared for. But uh, I think it's going to give us a kind of a a picture of what what we think and uh, what you can expect to see in this final month. So let's get started with the AFC. And Ben, do you want to kind of go through your list? Sure. Yeah, I'll list off uh, my C's at this point. I have that matchup between New England and Kansas City becoming quite pivotal because New England will earn the number one seed over Kansas City, uh, even though they will both finish with 13-3 and three records, and both of them will enjoy bye weeks. Uh, the third seed, I have my Houston Texans finishing 12-4. and four. The reason I said they're my Houston Texans, I was very much an AFC South homer at the beginning of the season, and 
At least one of them, I think, will live up to my expectations. Uh, Number four, I have your Pittsburgh Steelers just squeaking in, uh, or rather just uh, winning the division barely with a 9-6-1 record. Uh, The number five seed, the LA Chargers, the team that any other year would win the division, but they share the division with the Chiefs, so they have to settle for the fifth seed. And uh, Denver is actually, I think, is going to make a play for uh, that number six seed in the AFC. All right. Uh, so it sounds like we have somewhat similar. Um, I actually do have the Kansas City Chiefs claiming the one seed uh, with a record of 13-3. and three. And the two seed, I have the Houston Texans also at 13-3. and three. Ooh. Um, yep, I have I have the Texans earning a bye ahead of the New England Patriots, and while the Patriots own the tiebreaker, I have them finishing twelve and four to fall behind Houston, with the Steelers, uh, the four seed, nine six and one, not where I thought they would be, uh, even just two weeks ago. But with the way that the past two games have gone, I'm definitely a little bit down on my team for the first time since September. Hey, I envy you for being down on your team and, and, and that meaning that they win the division. Yeah, you're right. And uh, the five seed, I have the Los Angeles Chargers 11-5 and five with a rematch of the game that we just saw this Sunday night. And the six seed, I have the Baltimore Ravens at 9-7 and seven, making the playoffs, potentially saving uh, John Harbaugh's job. And uh, I guess, you know, the, some of the reactions here, so... Ben, you have Kansas City going thirteen and three, just like me. Who do you have them losing to? Because right now they're ten and two. Yes, and I have them. I think that Russell Wilson, late season Russell Wilson, steals a game in the clink. I don't think that the Seahawks are a better team, but I think that that's a trap game. Uh, you know, more or less a trap game. The Seahawks are pretty good, but they, uh, they they they're very good at home. The Seahawks and Russell Wilson catches fire at the end of every season, and I think that that will be the game that they lose. Yeah, it's the same thing that I have. I think um, going into CenturyLink is always a tough test. And I I don't know if it's necessarily the same kind of thing as playing at Arrowhead this season, but with the way the Seahawks have been playing, I just I think if any team is going to trip up Kansas City, it's going to be them, uh, mostly because I don't think they're going to lose to the Chargers at home the week before. So you had the the Texans finishing 13-3. and three. yes. Going from 0-3 to 13-3. Actually, when we were doing our podcast, um, I guess in the middle, uh, right before the end of week seven, because we recorded during Monday Night Football, the Texans were 4-3, and and I was looking at their schedule, and I was like, man, this team might actually run the table the rest of the way, and just looking at their schedule, I think they're, you know, getting to play the Colts at home is definitely an advantage, and Philly on the road week 16 you know I know the Eagles have won two in a row but I think the Texans are better than them and I have a feeling that that's the one game you have them dropping I do losing at Philly and I I could easily see them winning that one as well but I I figured might as well toss a loss in there uh and and what like I think what Philly showed us last night is that when they get that home crowd going they can have kind of a force it was also against the Redskins so uh (laughs) but I think that they can uh, look like the the Eagles from last year at times, and maybe they can do it at home against the Texans. Yeah, it could certainly be a pivotal game for them. Um, I guess talking about the Patriots, so you have them winning out, uh, yes, finishing thirteen and three, and, getting the and one. And really, seed. really, the only question is who's going to win 
the uh, the game in Pittsburgh. Uh, and and I think that the Patriots will win that game, but I could obviously the Steelers are a good team as well, so th- that's the only one I could see going the other direction. They the the Patriots are treated to a uh, sample platter of AFC East opponents at the end of the season, and I don't see any way that they don't like run the table on at least the AFC East. Now, now that's interesting that you say that because I have the Patriots going twelve and four, and I'm sure that the a lot of the reaction was that they I would pick my Steelers to beat them, and I think before the the loss of the Chargers, I would have. Um, I'm, I'm actually now thinking that New England is going to win that game. And you know, like you said, three AFC East opponents. Who do I have them losing to? Well, that is none other than Brady's kryptonite, and that is a December game in Miami this week. Tom Brady in his career is 1-5 in, in games against the Dolphins on the road in the month of December in his career. The only win coming in 2012. The first time he played there, 2004, the Dolphins were 2-11, and the Patriots were 12-1, and Monday Night Football, the Patriots should have blown him out, they blew a 28-17 lead, which the final two minutes included A.J. Feely putting on the heroics with a 4th and 10, 21-yard touchdown pass, while Brady was picked off twice before and after that drive, and Brady just has not uh, been able to play as well against that team Uh, late in the season you would think and I don't know if it's just playing in the warm weather when he's getting used to playing in that Foxborough cold but even last year we saw Monday Night Football Xavier Howard picked him off twice and the Dolphins shocked him Uh, I do think that the Patriots are going to fall this week and call it a bold pick I know New England's seven and a half point favorites right now but that is how I see New England getting that fourth loss and ultimately not getting a bye week I uh I respect it. You did your homework, but <laughs> I'm uh I, I I'm still going with the Pats. I think I saw a really interesting uh, I think it was a video from Bleacher Report where they were talking about how nobody's paying attention to the Patriots and like they have a really high percentage of plays where they have a fullback in and they they play more of a ground and pound game more than more than ever before and th- w- Apparently, it's because they're taking advantage of new rules against the defense where it's harder to uh, run, like run stop, basically. Uh, there's like a lot of rules that against uh, the way that you go up against uh, offensive blockers. And apparently, Bill Belichick is like exploiting these rules so that the Patriots c- can have an advantage uh, based on their their play selection because if you I mean, if you watch they do some weird stuff who would have thought Cordell Patterson would be the the running back at times right especially yeah. when they have a guy like Sony Michelle so well they've uh, had had their fair share of injuries I know Sony Michelle has played very well when he's been healthy uh, Rex Burkhead just came back but he's missed most of the season Jeremy Hill who they signed in the offseason was hurt week one so Patterson stepped in but James Devlin scored two touchdowns this week against the Vikings and uh you know, it, it definitely seems like uh, this Patriots team has been relying on the run game a lot more than in recent years, um, and Brady's numbers aren't as are as high as we've been used to seeing. But I don't necessarily think that their offense has taken as big of a hit because they have had uh, solid guys that can run the ball for them. And of course, James White, he he can do it all, whether it's running or receiving. Um, well, I mean, if you're going to talk running the ball, you can't leave Brady out of the conversation with his yeah. a thousand, uh, a thousand career yards. yards. Yeah, yeah Nin- so. nineteen seasons. Yeah, I, I think he'd been going for that. He was like five yards short for weeks now. I was surprised it took him as long as it did. Well, it's because they're always but kneeling it out. Kneeling, at the end of the yeah, game, and those definitely takes away. Yep. 
So, um, yeah, so I don't know. Either way, no matter, like, one loss, zero losses, the, the, the Patriots are definitely locked in at this point. Yes, yep. Um, and I guess, you know, we'll, we'll talk about my Steelers. So, to me, the the loss to the Chargers, it just feels like it's a season-crushing loss. I still think that the Steelers are going to beat the Raiders this week and the Bengals in Week 17, but I just I find a hard time thinking that they're going to be able to come out and beat the Patriots, and I, I really don't see any way that they can beat the Saints in the Superdome. Uh, I just think with, you know, having two touchdowns that had blatant penalties on them that just go uncalled, it, it, it hurts. And I hate to be someone who uh, blames the officials because uh, I, I always hate when other people do that. And I do think that really the, the big play of that game was that that fluky Keenan Allen touchdown when Sean Davis <laughs> uh, made a play on a ball that Joe Hayden clearly had an interception on and that that really costs them because if Hayden gets that pick it's 23 to 7 you know who knows if the Chargers score anyway after the false start or after the uh um illegal block in the back on that part return you know that they're not scoring if Philip Rivers is throwing the ball to the Steelers so uh, I just think it'll be difficult for them to recover from that and you know really at this point I'm more concerned with being able to hold off Baltimore for the four seed um versus actually passing Houston or New England to get the three or even the two because that just seems so unlikely at this point yeah I think like the Steelers are for me they're like at the bottom of the good teams I think I trust them to take care of business against teams that are clearly less talented than them but just based on what I've seen this season I have a hard time picking them against any of these other like upper crust teams that Mm -hmm. are are trying to be Super Bowl contenders this year so uh you know anything can happen in the in the playoffs so you know I think that they'll make it but uh it's not going to be pretty um moving on down I think we both had the the Chargers at five. Yep. Honestly, I, for me, they're a little bit hard to define, uh, the Chargers. I, I think Derwin James, I, I hadn't really watched a whole lot of Chargers defense, and Derwin James looked amazing on uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he definitely played really well. Um, I thought he was a, a sleeper pick for defensive rookie of the year. And, you know, the, the Chargers defense, they're, they're getting healthy. They got Joey Bosa back. He's certainly uh, a force on that defensive line. And it's unfortunate for them that they're in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs because, you know, even though they're only one game behind them in the standings, I think it's going to come down to that week 15 battle and it's an arrowhead. Um, but for the Chargers, I do think that they're a scary team who can make some noise in the playoffs and, um, you know, they already beat the Steelers in Hindfield once, so I, I definitely wouldn't feel confident that the the Steelers would be able to survive them if they do meet in the wildcard round, which seems virtually a lock at this point. And um, your sixth seed was the Ravens, yep. and I had the Broncos. So I guess make your uh, make your state your case for these so, uh, Ravens. Okay. They're, they're yeah. definitely my seventh seed if there is such a thing <laughs> because uh, they're just outside. Yeah, so Bucks. I actually have Baltimore, Dennis, Denver, and Tennessee finishing with a three-way tie at nine and seven with the Ravens winning the tiebreaker. Um, I don't know exactly what that's based on. Right. But that's that's just what ESPN tells me. Um, so I do have the Ravens losing this week to Kansas City and in week 16 to the Chargers. Um, 
For the Titans, I actually, so they're 6-6 six and six right now. The only game I have them losing is actually to the Giants on the road in Week 15. Um, I do do like the Titans this year, but I, I think that the Giants are playing pretty well right now, and I could see that being a tough one for them. And Denver, I also, like I said, have them finishing 9-7. and seven. I think that uh, with their schedule, it is very reasonable for them to win out. But the one game I have them losing, Monday Night Football in Oakland on Christmas Eve, I just, I, I just don't think that this Denver team is good enough to win seven in a row. I think that someone's going to trip them up, and that's just the game that I'm going with. I, I've definitely seen signs of life from these uh, Raiders. They, uh, I had a hard time. Well, maybe I didn't have that hard of a time, but because <laughs> I have them losing out. But I uh, <laughs> actually wait. No, no, I do have them beating uh, the Bengals in Cincinnati. Because interesting, what even are the Bengals right now? Yeah, I, I, I'm no, not. That's, a, that's fair. That's the as, only game I have the Bengals winning the rest of the way. But as much as, and I mean, I could see that happening too. But I'm. Uh, I've seen Jeff. The last time I saw Jeff Driscoll play football, it was 49ers preseason, and I wasn't exactly inspired. Uh, he was a former 49ers draft pick, so yep. uh, which former I was Florida a Gator. Yeah, I was so excited when we got a Florida quarterback. I was like, it, he's definitely the next Tim Tebow, but uh, definitely, well, yeah, definitely not the the, <laughs> the case. Yeah, um, yeah I, for uh, for Denver, I mean, they're they're hosting the Niners this week, so. I'm sorry. They're going to Santa Clara, but uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the Niners. Not only are the Niners a bad football team, but they're also just ravaged by injuries. Uh, I mean, the Niners placed a few more players on IR this week. Our long snapper just got suspended. Yeah, for I saw 10 that. What was weeks. that for? What did he do? Uh, he got he tested positive for some substance. Uh, mm. It's I have no idea. Uh, what it was but it, Kyle okay. Nelson and the thing about Kyle Nelson the only reason I know who he is even though like I'm a big Niners fan is because I saw this article about like do you know who Kyle Nelson is no good the whole point <laughs> yeah. of a long snapper is for you to not know who he is because if you find out who he is it means he messed up so he's been great as far as the long yeah. snappers go but of course we can't even do that right so he's out i don't know what we're gonna do for long snap i don't have i have no idea what our long snapper <laughs> depth chart looks like but right so then yeah. they they host the browns and um again for me the the browns are kind of an anomaly like baker mayfield gives them a chance but i mm -hmm. i still think that that defense is good enough to win uh that that's monday night football where they they're in uh oakland saturday night Oh, Saturday night. Oh, sorry. No, Saturday night against Cleveland, Monday night against Oakland. Yeah. Christmas okay. Eve. Right, right. I, um, I still have them winning that one. And because uh, I, I guess at this point, I'm kind of a Broncos believer. Yeah, uh, sure. So, and then I th they're going to be hosting the Chargers. Uh, yeah, they won't 17. have anything to play for. So. so, well, and right, exactly. So, I think they can win that one and then they're in. So, yep. uh, that that's how I see it. But again, I have Baltimore right there on the edge. Yeah. Uh, so actually, um, I have Miami finishing at eight and eight and, you know, beating the Patriots would definitely help. So if, if they end up losing, then that doesn't play out the same. But I actually have them missing the playoffs because they lose to the Bills in week 17. Um, <laughs> they, they would actually win the four way tiebreaker at nine and seven. I guess I don't know how that would work if um, Denver, or Tennessee would finish eight and eight, if Baltimore would still squeeze in over them. But yeah, I do think it's kind of kind of interesting to point out. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I um, I'll go ahead and say my the 
AFC uh, hunt is a lot more exciting than the NFC hunt. Yes, uh, that, that is that is true. I think the NFC hunt, <laughs> it kind of looks exciting now, but I, I think that the way that my my standings play out, it seems like it's not going to be as a, a fight to the finishes. Well, well then uh, let's go ahead and hear it, Corey. Go, let's hear your uh, top All six. Right. Yeah, I'll go through. So at number one, I have the Los Angeles Rams uh, continuing their winning ways to finish 15 and one. Followed by the New Orleans Saints as a two seed at 13 and three. I had the Dallas Cowboys earlier in the year when they were two and two, and we had Colton and Brian on this podcast. Uh, the, th- you know, the three of you said, Oh, the Texans, the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. I decided to be bold and go with the Cowboys. They brought in Amari Cooper, and that offense has been great ever since. I have them finishing with the three seed at 10 and six. Uh, and winning a tiebreaker over the Bears also at 10 and 6 as a four seed with the Seattle Seahawks winning out to finish 11 and 5 and grabbing the five seed. And finally, the Minnesota Vikings, my Super Bowl pick, finishing as a six seed at 9, 6, and 1. Okay, who is your five seed again? Seattle. Seattle? Okay, yeah. So I uh, basically have the same teams it's just different order here right. so i have the uh saints at the number one seed after they run the table to complete the season uh and then i have the rams with only one extra loss which is going to happen this week at the bears very bold prediction there mm-hmm. uh and then it, that remember that that super bowl preview game we got to see uh yep. in the middle of the season that is going to end up being the uh, tiebreaker here and give this the the saints the number one and then we've got the third seed is going to be the chicago bears uh at 11 and 5 i've got dallas also at 10 and 6 as my fourth seed um and then at five i've got the minnesota vikings just barely not winning the division at 10 5 and 1 and seattle making the playoffs at 10 and 6 all right, so I think based on what you have you know, already said and where your predictions are, I think I can tell where our differences are. So you, like you said, you have the Rams losing to the Bears. I have the Rams beating the Bears. Uh, and the way I have it playing out, Week 17, LA 14-1, and New Orleans 13-2. and So if the Rams were to lose to your 49ers at home and the Saints were to beat the Panthers at home, they would both be 14-2 and and the Saints would get the one seed. I just think that the Rams are going to you know, win the, that game against San Francisco and Sean Payton's going to take it easy with Drew Brees and uh, company and you know, rest his starters, uh, see what Teddy Bridgewater can do, and ultimately that'll lead to a Carolina win. And that's why New Orleans at 13-3, and three, even though if, if they do play their full team, I don't see any way that they would lose to the Panthers at home. Well, okay, so that's that's kind of my question is how important is it to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Is I think it it's worth very- it? I is do it think it? it's very important based on the f- past five seasons. Uh, I think it's something we mentioned in the last podcast, actually, yeah. that nine of the last 10 Super Bowl teams were number one seeds, and the only other one was a two seed. So I do think it is very important. And that's like a crazy stat to me, because when you look at years before that, I think going back to 2005, when the Steelers were a six seed and made it to the Super Bowl, you had the Packers make it as a six seed. The Ravens in 2012 were a four seed with the Niners a two seed the year before all these one seeds got in. Um, other than 2009, when it was Saints Colts as one seeds, it was very often that you saw big upsets in the playoffs. 
uh, especially early on. So I do think that in today's NFL, it's important. And just looking at some of these teams, it's so difficult to go into Arrowhead or Gillette or the Superdome and win playoff games. And for the Rams, I don't know if they necessarily have the same home field advantage, but they certainly don't want to go to New Orleans. Right. So I do think it's very important to have, um, you know, get that that first round by so you get that divisional round and then ultimately get that one seed so you can get the conference championship game. Right. So my predictions are all based on the assumption that no one's taking week 17 off, at least not <laughs> these number fair. one and number two. Right, and that's, and that's why I, guess I saw the Steelers do that last year, um, even though they technically could have gotten in if the Patriots lost to Bryce Petty and the Jets at home week 17. Um, they still wound up winning against the Browns when they were 0-15. But I guess that's that's basically my logic here. Is Sure. And I could see it happening. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the situation is going to be. There, there's a potential mm-hmm. that maybe the Saints fall apart and the Rams you know, sit their starters week 17 with yeah. no risk against the Niners. They can lose and still. But I think that if the, the predictions that we get to here, week 17 is still going to be very a very important week for mm-hmm. seeding. Uh, and I think that at the very least, the Rams will have their starters in the first half so they can get yes. a 40 point lead on the Niners and then <laughs> hang it up. So uh, that is yeah. I guess, we, uh, either way, even if the uh, the Saints beat the Panthers in my prediction, they're 14 and two and they're still a two seed. Um, But yeah, so you have Chicago as a three Dallas as a four with the Bears beating the Rams. Right, and um, the, I, the, my my pick with the Bears is basically uh, after they have to get that big win against the Rams. That's yes. like very important. The other thing is beating Aaron Rodgers at home, which I think is still pretty mm-hmm. likely. I think Aaron Rodgers lacks the <sighs> supporting cast to really make a run at this, but a uh, big, big but here because the the coaching has changed. I expect to see a lot more Aaron Jones moving forward. I expect to see maybe a little bit more control from Aaron Rodgers of this offense, a lot less like him throwing his head up like back after every play with disappointment. Uh, But again, I, I, I think if the bears are the contenders, I think they are, then they'll handle him at home. Uh, They visit Santa Clara for a nice weekend in the Bay where they'll scoop up another win. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually think, I think the Vikings can protect their their home field in Week 17, uh, and and they can get the win there. But it'll be too little, too late as far as the yeah. division goes. Uh, yeah, and the, the Bears will still be able to win it. I do have the Vikings winning that that game. Um, I do think, I guess, in my scenario, that's a game that doesn't mean anything for Minnesota. Now that I look at it, and does mean something for Chicago. Um, I would think, if anything, for Minnesota, it's just uh, beating a division rival and. Uh, at home to close yeah. out the season. Uh, but that's because I have Seattle running the table and that starts with them beating the Vikings Monday night football this week. Do you have Minnesota winning? Is that how you have them ahead of Seattle? Yes, I do. Okay. And I, I do think that this game is going to be huge. Um, and I, based on the way that I see some of these other teams playing out, I do think it's just going to be a matter of, you know, who has the five seed and who has the six seed, which I don't know if that's going to make a huge difference necessarily. Um, I, think I would that, love to see the Seahawks have no home field advantage. <laughs> yes. That would be fantastic. Well, well, they they would not have home field advantage. I guess the only way that they would is if it ends up being a Seattle-Minnesota NFC Championship game. Which in, seems, you, in your world, in my world, or the, the six seed, they're, they're out of luck. Yeah, no, but I'm saying that that would be the only possibility because they're not going to catch the Rams and get a first round home game as the division winner. Agreed. 
So, but yeah, I guess for me, so what, we both have Dallas, Minnesota, Chicago, Seattle in the first round, just different seating? Uh, yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think that from there, it's it's going to be LA, New Orleans in the NFC Championship game. I think that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Dallas can, yeah, they, they already beat New Orleans, but that was at home. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be able to beat them twice if that means beating them on the road. And even if Chicago is able to get LA at home, I think it'll be a different story in the playoffs on the road. But I did pick the Rams to lose in the first round last year, despite being the, or at the beginning of the season, despite being the number one seed. Um, I, that was also when I thought they'd be playing Aaron Rodgers and not Mitchell Trubisky or Russell Wilson. And, you know, maybe he can actually knock them off now that I say that. Wow. All right. So, yeah, then your Seahawks are going to the Super Bowl. That no. is, um, <laughs> um, yeah. And anyway, I mean, just looking at the rest of my standings, I have the Carolina Panthers at eight and eight is the closest team to making the playoffs. And the only reason why I haven't finishing 500 is because I think that they're going to you know, maybe get a chance to beat a Saints team that doesn't try week 17. Um, it's kind of wild how they they were six and two and they've just totally fallen apart. Yeah, kind of disappointing. Uh, the mm. closest, well, especially because right they're on a four game slide right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It all started with them getting blown out by the Steelers right on Thursday night football. Ooh. Then they went out and lost to the Lions, and they I know they lost to the Bucks this past week. Last week they fell to. Seahawks, Seahawks. That's right. They lost to the Seahawks on the last minute field goal, and they lost to the Bucks. Yeah, I, I've totally lost. Them, yes. I've totally lost faith in the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, um, I have them losing their next two. I have them losing this week to the Browns, and that will officially basically end their season if it's not over already. Before losing to the Saints at home on Monday Night Football in Week 15. Yeah, so, so I, I don't have any teams that are less than double digit wins making it into the playoffs. The closest team I have outside of that is the philadelphia eagles and that is really where do you have the eagles finishing eight and eight eight and eight yes and that's assuming a big upset win when the texans come to philly yeah that's fair because i have them at seven and nine um losing to dallas this week and even if the eagles beat dallas this week um i do still think that dallas is a favorite in that division to win it but that i guess is very much dependent on the eagles losing to the texans because i don't see any way the eagles beat the rams in week 15 Week 17 at Washington, they just beat him this past, um, you know, last night. And having Mark Sanchez as the Redskins quarterback is certainly less favorable for their chances, and I have them losing out. Did you hear about Josh Johnson going to the Redskins? No. Really? Yeah, well, I I saw something on Twitter right before this. I'm not sure if it was just for a workout or if they're actually going to sign him. When was the last time he played in the NFL? It was probably for the uh, last time we played for the Niners, I think was back in like 2014. That is something crazy. like that. 2015. Like it was, and he didn't play. He was just on the roster, yeah. off the roster. Kind of like Tom Savage has been this season. The Niners have been signing <laughs> and dropping him every week that they can. I think the yeah. Bengals might've claimed him now, but anyways, uh, I, I mean, just to play into the media hype here, how do you feel about Colin Kaepernick not getting a, a shot at it? You know, it, I, I understand it. I don't think it's it's fair to him. Um, I get the idea of not wanting to bring in a guy like that to be your backup quarterback. But at this point, I, I don't know. I feel like there are teams, like if you're the Redskins, like do you really think that Mark Sanchez is going to be the answer while you still have somewhat of a fighting chance to make the playoffs? Did Sanchez um, throw, a, throw a touchdown last night? 
I don't think so. I, I don't think touchdown. he did. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, 90-yard rushing touchdown is the only touchdown. Yeah, so Mark Sanchez hasn't thrown a touchdown in the NFL since 2012, and the last time Colin Kaepernick did it was 2015. <laughs> wow. I'm pretty sure. So, well, and that's that's just the lengths yeah. that the league is go is willing to go to to blackball Colin Kaepernick. I think if you're willing to sign Reuben Foster without even batting <laughs> yeah, an eye, right? <laughs> like I, I think what it really comes down to is the Redskins are willing to put, uh, you know, the outside politics of Colin Kaepernick ahead of their own best interests of winning. Yeah. I think Colin Kaepernick would definitely give them a better chance. Again, I, I really don't know the uh, like the inside of the NFL locker room where it's like, oh well, our playbook is so ridiculous. There's like no point. Yeah, in I mean, you're, in you're, Colin Kaepernick, you're right? asking a guy to come in with four games to go and all of a sudden start and you know be your quarterback. I I don't know if that's that's what you're kind of doing with Mark Sanchez though. That, like, he's at least been on the team, you know, for he's been two in the weeks. Building. Okay, but. That's, I guess you're right. That's that's two more weeks than Again, Kaepernick, it, it, but not, yeah. Right, and I mean, I guess the the real decision came back two weeks ago when you yes. decided to get Mark Sanchez instead of Colin Kaepernick, but it's, yep. uh, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I, I think Colin Kaepernick has a vested interest also in not playing football because it obviously it destroys his case of like the NFL colluding against him if he gets mm-hmm. to play football again. Yes. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> he didn't try very hard or whatever, but uh, I feel like we just need, we, we had to address it, right? If we're going to talk about yeah, the Redskins right. and how they are definitely pretenders now. They're not, they're definitely oh, yeah. in the postseason. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I guess real quickly, so uh, NFL draft order. Um, I have your 49ers losing out, finish 2-14, and 14 and get that number one overall pick. We're getting uh, Nick Bosa. Yeah, Nick Bosa, that's who you want. Niners need edge pressure. Niners yes. need a lot of things. But yes. I would argue that in the current NFL format, a, like a game-finishing edge rusher is pretty important and obviously a quarterback. And if mm-hmm. the Niners draft number one overall this offseason, then they'll start their next campaign with both. So, I mean, I don't know if he'll be an instant impact, but Nick Bosa definitely has the pedigree to be exactly what the Niners need right now. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think he's the guy that you got to go with, um, at least at this point in time. So much can change in the next four and a half months. It's the uh, it's the thing that, you know, keeps me sane right now because <laughs> everything is falling apart for like the fourth year in a row. Yes. So it's been it's been really tough. This, especially so, this last Sunday. I actually I have some fr- uh, friends who are Seahawks fans uh, that I work with and mm-hmm. I went and watched the game with them. I mean they're nice guys. Whatever. We played catch at halftime, but it, it wasn't even the rivalry. It was just me like <laughs> trying not to cry. Yeah. So it was uh, yeah, so, 43 to 16. That's that's always a tough one. Like even you, if you go into it expecting to lose. Did you know that Nick Mullins threw for 400 yards in this game though? No. I no, think Nick, I didn't really see any stats. I just saw the score. Yeah, I mean, why would you, right? This is probably <laughs> the least like important or least uh interesting game that happened, but uh Nick Mullins quietly making his case for the Niners backup moving forward. I think CJ Beathard might be uh searching for a new team in the yeah, future. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um so real quickly, uh some of our listeners have been asking me this and I don't really know what the answer is, but are you rooting for the 49ers to just lose every game and get the the number one pick or are you still going out there hoping that they win and uh you know sacrificing that potential to draft number one i've rooted for the 49ers to win 16 weeks of every season i've okay. never root for us to lose that that's what i figured 
Um, and that was that was the answer that I gave, but I I wasn't sure um, if you had any any yeah. other change of heart. Nope. So. I would rather have a worse draft pick and get wins. This this franchise is so starved for any sort of positive uh, momentum that I would I would gladly take it. I know that it didn't transfer into this season. I know I spent the whole off season talking about how we're going to be great, and then we were terrible. But obviously. <laughs> I was talking about the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. And it's obviously with him being injured, that didn't happen. So I, I think that if we can start getting some wins in here, having players prove themselves, because if anything, a lot of the like dark horses that we had on our team flopped this season. And mm. we're, we're in search of some things that we thought we might have already had. So uh, I think if we can prove ourselves in any sort of capacity for the rest of the season, that's a positive thing moving forward. The draft is a good way to find talent, but it's not an instant fix. And yep. if we can salvage any part of the team that we have right now, I think that that's, that would be super valuable. Looking at our, our uh, the remaining schedule, I can't really say that we really have a chance in any game except week 17 at the Rams if they bench their starters. But even then... It's a tough call. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I would say I'm going to be rooting, and I'm going to watch every minute of it, every uh, torturous minute of it, but uh, I fully expect to lose. I'll be yeah, wearing okay. my Niners red and gold, but I'll, you know, what will happen will still happen. Hey, you know what? You can lose four times in a row, and then you can feel like you won with that number one pick and just have even more to look forward to heading into next year. Sure, I guess. <laughs> I think Jimmy is probably more valuable than anything we're going to get out of this draft. So we've already got yeah, him. So that's that's fair. But okay, moving do- on down, I think the Raiders get the number two pick. Uh, I do have them winning one game in yep, here, but I, I don't expect much more out of them for the rest of the season. So I think they're going to be the number two. Then I have the Jets. Do you have the Jets next? Yeah, I guess I don't know the order. I just have Oakland, Jets, Arizona, all at three and thirteen. Okay, and uh, and then I've got, I don't know, it gets tough because um, I don't really know the tiebreakers. Yeah, so. no, it's, at this point, I'm just kind of kind of knowing at some, some order that'll be those three with, um, I do have Oakland winning one game, Jets and the Cardinals losing out. And then I have the Lions, the Bengals, Falcons, uh, Jaguars, Skins, Bucks, and Giants. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have I have Lions, Jags, and Falcons five and eleven. One of them's getting the number five pick. Washington, Giants, Bengals. Pan- so we'll uh, see. Bucks, there, there's apparently yeah. I was looking at a uh, like somebody projected the top ten picks, and obviously they had Nick Bosa going number one, but they also had Josh Allen getting drafted by the Packers. Uh, really, a, a year late. Yeah, well, I, I think it's because there's actually a notable player named Josh Allen in yeah. this next draft, but I think that that'd be interesting. To yeah, have. linebacker for Kentucky. Yeah. Actually, so, no, sorry, you keep going. Well, can um, you imagine the audacity of the Packers to draft Josh Allen a year late in the <laughs> first round? Uh, but, I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened before, having two players with the same name get drafted uh, as early as those two will potentially yeah. be. Yeah, no, I do think that that would be pretty crazy. So I'm looking at this right now, and I just realized I have the Bills going seven and nine with their only loss to the Patriots the rest of the way. That kind of blows my mind. Well, Josh but, Allen. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big believer in Josh Allen. You're Dude, right. did you see him turn that defender around this week on that on that little scamper he had? It was Steve Young esque. <laughs> I've definitely seen some like 
great running place from him. I didn't see that one. It actually, well, he like juked this guy so hard that he turned around and then Josh Allen pushed him out of his way in the back. Like he put it, he placed his hand on his nameplate and pushed him out of the way. That's how hard he juked him. And I, I was just like, all right. All right, I believe in him now. I was I've been a Josh Allen hater, but I I believe in at least his mobility. So yeah. um, I I mean I don't know. Maybe the Bills could go seven and nine. I'm uh, I don't personally. Actually, wait a second. I also have them going seven and <laughs> yeah, nine. What Jeff, am I talking Jeff about? Lions, Dolphins at home. Yeah, yeah. All so right. Josh Allen all the way. That is that is wild to me that in a year when I had the Bills going like three and thirteen that they could still almost finish five hundred. That's uh, boy. I wish I would love to be at five hundred. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay. I think yeah. d- does this conclude our uh, conversation on the NFL? I, I think it does, and I think it's time to talk about a different playoffs, and that is the college football playoff. Um. So to be uh, back in September, we made our college football playoff predictions on a podcast, and. I had Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. So I nailed three out of the four. I had a lot of people say, wow, Notre Dame. And they ran the table and they they made it there. Uh, I don't remember who you had, but I know you definitely had Alabama and Clemson in there. Like I think I had I think I had uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. I'm okay. that may be wrong and that may have also been impossible, but I that's still what I I'm pretty sure that's what I had. Uh, yeah. but I would love to hear from you, a, a Notre Dame uh, a truther, why they deserve to be in the, in this postseason. And and I, or not postseason, but the playoffs, because they have been the one I've heard the most about being not deserved and that, that Georgia yeah. maybe should have been in instead of that. You know, I, I understand that. Notre Dame had some close calls this year. They, they only beat Ball State by eight, Pitt by five, Northwestern by ten. They played a lot of teams that, you know, at the start of the season were supposed to be great. Didn't necessarily finish that way, but they they blew out Stanford when they were number seven. They blew out Virginia Tech when they were ranked. Florida State, who didn't have a great season, isn't going to a bowl game for the first time since the early 80s. They blew them out. And Syracuse, that was supposed to be like one of the, the biggest games of the season. And Notre Dame beat them 36-3. So... Yeah, I, I do think that Notre Dame going twelve and zero. They beat Michigan week one. Like they, yeah, they struggled a bit of the way to get there. But I do think that they had an impressive enough season that you can't leave them out for going undefeated. This isn't UCF going twelve and zero against uh, cupcake teams in the American Athletic Conference. They beat some actual like top uh, power five schools, and you know while some of them maybe weren't as good as they were supposed to be, Notre Dame definitely to me deserves to be in the top four just you know based on the the season that they put together as a whole well I, i've heard this like jargon of signature wins and it mm-hmm. you need a signature win to get into the postseason and i would say that notre dame does have a signature win it was the the their first game against michigan that happened three months ago uh, yes so i I, I think that you make a really compelling case for them deserving to be there and i think that's probably why they are there but I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them. No, I definitely don't have any confidence in them against Clemson. And I do think there's there's two different ways that the committee could look at this. You could have the who are the clear you know best four teams. Just who who has the most talent? Who do you think played the best? Uh, who has the best chance of winning? And that 
kind of devalues the regular season. It doesn't matter the wins and the losses as long as you look good when you lose, like Georgia did against yeah. Alabama this week. You're right. And then the deserving case is, yeah, Notre Dame went 12-0. and Oklahoma and Ohio State went 12-1 and in one conference championships, and Oklahoma got in over Ohio State because their one loss to Texas was a team they beat in the Big 12 championship, while Ohio State got blown out by Purdue, who went 6-6 six and six and barely made a bowl game. So... To me, I think the committee got it right with these top four. I do think it's very interesting that Georgia was number five ahead of Ohio State because I figured that either they're just going to throw Georgia into the playoffs and just have absolute chaos uh, or they would be number six behind both Oklahoma and Ohio State. So I do think Georgia had a compelling argument from the best four team standpoint. You'd basically be rewarding a team for losing and I don't think that's fair, especially because they lost to a backup quarterback in Jalen Hurts. They blew a 14-point lead against Alabama. They had their chance. It was there for the taking. And just like last year in the national championship game, they choked it away. So I think the committee absolutely got it right. And I'm very much excited to see Tua Tagovailoa take on Kyler Murray in the Orange Bowl uh, as the, the two Heisman favorites go head-to-head. And, you know, even if uh, Notre Dame doesn't play well against Clemson, I do think that Alabama-Oklahoma will be entertaining enough to give us at least one one college football playoff semifinal worth tuning in for the whole game. Well, before we continue in breaking down the specific matchups, I just want to get your opinion on the playoff structure as a whole. Do you think that all this pressure is going to eventually lead to more teams? I'm surprised it hasn't already, but I also i am not really that involved, or at least yeah, the, I don't follow it that closely. I think the committee wants to keep going with four games as much as possible. Everyone wants it to expand to eight at this point. I... I understand the four. Uh, I don't think that I would consider myself someone who uh, like desperately thinks, oh, this, this playoff is horrible. They need to expand the field and get all these teams in. So you don't I think do, it's that egregious? I mean, obviously, you've just I made don't, the case I that don't. it's... I, yeah, I mean, for, for the longest time, it was just one versus two. I like the fact that you get two other teams to get in. And I do get the, the point that these are college players. They're amateurs. You're throwing in another game. It's another money grab for the NCAA and their universities that doesn't go to the players. And uh, I, I, I would very much welcome a change, but I'm not out there like campaigning all for this. one. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I do think, in terms of the four, I am I am content with it. But you do have five Power Five schools, and you have Notre Dame, and you have group of five teams who everyone wants to see them get their chance. So the only way that's going to happen is if they do expand it to eight. But to me, that that's a story for another time. I think if Georgia were to get in, then you'd have both the Big 12 and the Big 10, along with you know the Pac-12 and the, the American Commissioner and all, all the others screaming for more. But I do think that with the way that the committee put this field, I can kind of be put to rest uh you know a little bit um I, I do think that it's it's only a matter of time before it expands but when i say that i i don't think it's going to be next year or anything because i'm pretty sure it's some kind of contract that runs through 2021 or so oh really um, okay yeah i uh, want to say that's that's a thing i might just be making that up i'm but, uh <laughs> i'm kind of expecting there to be a situation where they they can't there's no right answer where they have mm-hmm. to leave someone who very clearly deserves to be Oh, yeah. I mean, out. It's, now it's you're saying four, five, six. Then it'll be eight, nine, ten, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Like, you're, you're not going to do uh, away you, with this. 
Well, are you saying that that would be bad? I would love all the more the merrier for me. No, no, I'm not saying it would be bad. I'm just saying like if the the argument is that oh there are like more teams, you're always gonna find an excuse to put try to put more teams in the right, field. Right, right. So that makes next sense. next thing you know it would be like March Madness. You'll have 68. So bring it on, baby. That means the Gamecocks <laughs> will get involved, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, do away with bowl games entirely. Just make a just huge postseason everyone in tournament. a tournament. It'll go till April. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, like the winning team is the one that still has players that are alive at the end. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, let's let's talk about the the four that we do have this year: Alabama, Oklahoma, Tua Tagovailoa versus Kyler Murray. And I think it's the it, it was easy to say that Tua was the the Heisman favorite, but with the way the SEC championship game played out, uh, there might be some some people who are really big on the Kyler Murray train. And Ben, being in Oklahoma, what are your thoughts on the Sooners and their their star quarterback? Uh, I, I like Kyler Murray a lot. The the difference I think is in the schedule. Uh, Tua, well, even that to be, I I want to just go with the SEC hype and say like, you know, the Alabama had to endure a much tougher SEC uh, <laughs> uh, schedule, yeah. which they didn't have the toughest schedule. Uh, of all SEC teams, but uh, I think that you have to just look at the competition there. Oklahoma scores a lot of points, and Kyler Murray is a big part of that. But I also yep. don't I don't know if the defenses he's facing are really going to be all that, uh, or the defense he has the defenses he has faced are really that intimidating. So I, I think this is going to be a really uh, like a, a interesting matchup to look at because. Oklahoma finally has to play against a defense mm-hmm. and we'll see what Kyler Murray does isn't the Heisman uh, award shows before this right so yeah it, it's it, actually this Saturday so it's it's, too, it's not uh, gonna be part of the equation no no it's they'll they'll have already announced the winner um, unless Dwayne Haskins ends up taking the award it's gonna be one of the quarterbacks in this game I think that they're both deserving of it I, I don't yeah. know if I always agree with the the choice they make like the year Derrick Henry won it over Deshaun Watson I thought that was ridiculous I thought Deshaun Watson definitely <laughs> yeah. deserved it I was happy he didn't win it because I was like thank god Clemson loses at something but yeah. uh so I, I don't really know all the things they put into it but for this game specifically I, I think Alabama is going to cruise to an easy victory I, I think Oklahoma is going to run into a wall they're going to face a defense that they're not it's going to be just much better than anyone they've faced so far. Alabama is going to do their thing against Oklahoma's not so great defense. And then Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have Alabama in the championship once again. Yeah. I think Oklahoma is going to be able to put up some points, but they're not going to put up enough. And I do think that, yeah, Tua, if, if he's healthy, he'll have his way with that defense. I'm thinking two touchdown, but that'll be more like Oklahoma cuts it from three to two. than Bama pulls away at the end. Um, as for Clemson versus Notre Dame, as much as I hate to say it, I do think Clemson is going to run away with this one. Uh, I don't know if it will be like that Ohio State game two years ago when they beat them 31 to nothing, but I do think that uh, Clemson is going to score early and often, and Notre Dame just not going to put up too much of a fight. Yeah, I, I echo basically everything you've said. I'm... It- I'll be rooting for the upset, but I'll be expecting the uh, double-digit win from Clemson. So, as much as yep. I hate to say it, <laughs> and, and also as much as I hate to see it once again, because I, I know that Gamecock fans always get, uh, like Clemson fans love to say that Gamecock fans are Alabama fans, and yes. I don't like Alabama. I don't like anybody else in the SEC, but I end up rooting for Alabama way more than I than I want to, because as much as I don't like <laughs> our sec rivals i 
hate Clemson more than I hate anybody else. Yeah, I mean, always remember your ABCs. Anybody but Clemson, and okay. that includes so Alabama. I, yes, I agree. I I do like that Clemson Notre Dame is a four o'clock game with Bama Oklahoma at eight because if Notre Dame meets Clemson, then I can root for Oklahoma. But if Clemson wins, I'm gonna pull for Bama. I honestly, Bama has kind of been my number two team because they keep playing Clemson in the playoffs, and I'm like, I know Alabama is really good, and they beat Clemson twice in three tries. I think if they play again. It'll be three out of four. So, you know, as much as I don't want to see Bama win it every year, if it means Clemson doesn't win it, I'm okay with it. Right. And it, it's kind of like Alabama has won so many championships at this point where if they win it, it's kind of like uh, it's just a wash. You know, yeah. they, 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 yeah. they put another trophy on the shelf and everybody else reloads. Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not like uh, this is going to change the culture of college football. If Clemson wins another one, I think it does change the culture of yes, college football I a little agree. bit. Because right now, Clemson's definitely a regular contender. That's obvious. But if they start putting, like, stacking these championships up, then we have a real problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they're they're close to Bama. But I, I do think that I'm, I'm going to give the, the edge to the tide. Uh, I think that the Georgia game kind of exposed them a little bit, shows that they're not truly unbeatable like we you know most people thought throughout this season but i i do still think that they've been the best team in college football all year and it'll show in the college football playoff with wins over oklahoma and clemson yeah and we'll see with uh trevor what's his name uh trevor lawrence trevor uh, lawrence uh, yeah well, we'll, we'll, well yeah and we'll, we'll just yeah. we have to see what he'll do against the yeah. alabama defense because i mean some quarterbacks can handle it some can't and he, yeah. he'll have his chance but I'm hoping that it's uh, it's going to be too much for him. So yeah, he's, he's young, talented, young man. but he's young. Yeah, he is young. So we'll see. So yeah, uh, I mean, obviously we're thinking one and two in the yes. in the championship. So yep. one seed is actually never won at all. So we'll see if uh, Bama can buck that trend. Let's uh, here's hoping. Actually, yeah. <laughs> after the last uh, national championship, I went and uh, actually I didn't read it. I uh, let Siri read it to me. But uh, Nick Saban's Wikipedia page is so interesting this guy is, has had quite a career and since coming to alabama nobody can rival his success no not even the patriots like he he's just outrageous he's gonna replace the previous like well actually i'm not sure if he's the best is bear bryant considered the best college football coach of all time yeah yeah i mean he's he's up there he's, i think that you could make a case for joe paterno but there's certainly a lot of people who who wouldn't do that um, I think there are some of the old time guys. I want to say Newt Rockney for Notre Dame. There might be some. Oh yeah, just the 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 guys who like started it all, giving sure. them the edge. Right. But, I, I mean, mean you could easily Bryant. say Nick Saban. You know, if he if he continues this, what he's been doing for just you know a few more years, even I think you can say he's the best ever. Yeah, at the at the rate he's going, he has a chance. I, I mean, that's it's just it's just amazing. Uh, yep. What a life you must have lived if you're an Alabama fan right now to, right. to have. Uh, uh, well, actually, Bear Bryant was kind of a long time ago, so you kind of had to be yeah. a little bit. of. Oh, no, they were they were really bad right before Saban got there, which is crazy to think. Yeah, I, I actually I wasn't paying attention to college football at that point. But what I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to get at is Bear Bryant is an absolute college football legend and obviously a legend uh, in Alabama. And and Nick Saban has a chance to surpass him, and I think there's a good chance that he does uh, by adding another title here. But we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. We have another show between. Oh no, we don't. 
not well, we might be doing something then but we'll do another show between now and these games again right yes yep we will so, so. uh i think uh, we we can talk about the actual national championship game later i think but i think we know yep. who's going to be there yep yep and i guess real quickly let's kind of go over some of the the new year six games start with the peach bowl michigan versus florida I really thought that this is a year that Harbaugh finally knocks off Ohio State and they were destroyed 62 to 39 in Columbus and Michigan's who looked like they were on their way to the college football playoff will have to settle for a peach bowl game against Florida. I've heard uh, or at least I looked up that Harbaugh has defeated Florida two other times. And I'm uh, I'm thinking he might be able to get his third win here as kind of a moral victory to end the season. Yeah, yeah, I do like Michigan in this game, but you gotta wonder, like, you know, how long Harbaugh can keep having this lack of success against Ohio State and uh, still keep his job. I would think Michigan's not going to fire him. I would say the only way he leaves is if an NFL team piques his interest, um, but. Yeah, it's definitely a disappointing finish to a team that won 10 in a row. Do you think Saban's, or not Saban, uh, uh, Ohio State guy, uh, why can't I remember his name? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, thank you. Uh, do you think Urban Meyer's departure entices Michigan to hold on to Harbaugh for one more year? Say, I, you know, I do think that could help, yeah. Maybe now that Meyer's gone, he, uh, you know, Harbaugh will be as advertised. I've been truly disappointed. I, I, uh, I think I was quoted yeah, as saying that big Mich- guy. Yeah, Michigan is my number uh, three team because of Harbaugh. Uh, but unfortunately, he's been pretty much a disappointment. Uh, I, everything about him has been disappointing since the Niners decided to fire him, mainly because yeah. he's not the Niners head coach anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like him in this game, and I think he can defeat Florida. But if he doesn't, and Florida wins, it's just because SEC is better. So. Yes, yeah, true. You're right. <laughs> Chalk another one up for the SEC. Yep. Um, yeah, so Fiesta Bowl, UCF versus LSU. UCF, 27 straight victories. But after another undefeated regular season in which they won their conference title game, they were left out of the college football playoff. Never really in the discussion um, other than just fans saying that they belonged in it. What are your thoughts on that? They are probably my favorite reason why there should be an eight-team playoff because it sounds like no matter how good they play, they'll never get into the playoffs, and that just seems uh, frustrating. I think they have another chance to make their case here because they're playing a premier football team from the SEC, and if they can win this convincingly, then they have, a again, I, I thought they made mm-hmm. the perfect case last year because they beat Auburn, who beat Alabama, who won the whole thing. So it's the, uh, I know that it doesn't actually work that It doesn't necessarily mean that they would beat Alabama, but it's still frustrating for a team like UCF to not have their chance. Um, that being said, I understand that, it's a different skill level, but it's kind of what you were talking about earlier, where it diminishes the value of the regular season to say, oh, well, the, te- the team's just not as good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do think UCF would be deserving in an eight team, but who did they play? Their their best win of the season was over Cincinnati, who was 24 at the time, and they're not ranked anymore. So, How much control do they have over their schedule? How do they not you know, get They don't have control opponents? over the conferences. And I guess maybe you know they, they didn't schedule big teams years ago. So it is you know somewhat of a moot point because it's not like they could just decide you know after the, 
the Sugar Bowl win over Auburn last year, Peach Bowl win, or whatever it was over Auburn last year, that they could play a, a top team this season. But that's just really what it comes down to, is they, they don't play the schedule. And, um, so I, you're telling I think, me if Alabama played their schedule and came out undefeated, we wouldn't have them in? I mean, I guess it's kind of a Yeah, I mean, at, at that question, point, it's, but... yeah, it is a weird question. I think that... Um, but you know, is there is there any yeah. chance that they could play so well? Would they have to beat? Would they have to blow out every single team on their schedule to get it to get a chance? Because yeah, probably. I mean, that I think that was part of what gave teams like Boise State back in the day more of more credibility. But well, either way, I think the Fiesta Bowl will be an interesting one. As a UCF believer, I think that they can narrowly win this one. Uh, and from the articles i read it sounds like it's going to come down to can ucf's high-powered offense uh take on lsu's defense so we'll see yeah no mackenzie milton i'm going with coach o and lsu go tigers oh god (laughs) never rose bowl ohio state washington urban myers final game before retiring uh, Ohio State certainly had a case to make it to the college football playoff, going 12-1, and winning the Big Ten. Their one loss to Purdue is really what, what did them in. Washington, uh, a lot of people thought that they would be in the college football playoff at the beginning of the season, a place they were in 2016. Didn't quite have the season that was expected, but they did beat their rivals Washington State in the final game of the season. And won the Pac-12 championship over Utah to earn their spot in the Rose Bowl. I like Urban Meyer to end this season with a victory and try to make that last case that Ohio State should have gotten in. Uh, I don't necessarily think this will be a close game, mostly because I'm not very big on Washington. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I don't really know what my thoughts are either. I just look at uh, (laughs) the uh, situation with Urban Meyer and... You know, maybe a little the the off field turmoil. Maybe uh, yeah. they don't have their minds right on game day. And Washington, desperately wanting to get a high profile win, can maybe squeak this one out. So I'm going with Washington on this one. But again, don't really know these teams. All right, and the the final New Year's Six Bowl: Georgia versus Texas. Georgia's number five lost to Alabama by a touchdown in the SEC championship game. Texas, number 15, coming off a Big 12 title game loss to the Oklahoma Sooners. And this is a game where I I think that Georgia's going to win pretty convincingly. I, I would think that they're going to show up and try to show that they did belong in the um, college football playoff Final Four. I, I'm not particularly big on Texas this year. I know they beat Oklahoma in the regular season, but I think that they lost a lot of important games after that. So I'm going with the Bulldogs in this one. I I think it comes down to attitude. Uh, That was a tough loss for Georgia. I mean, devastating. They might look at this Sugar Bowl as kind of a... uh, like a participation bowl for them. they, they, They had a goal this season, and they blew it. And they blew it. And I'm not just saying oh, like that they didn't make it. It didn't happen. They, they blew they it. Blew their chance. Yep. They so, had two touchdown lead. So. so on on a normal on a normal matchup on paper, I think I like Georgia by double digits in this game. But I think it comes down to attitude because if these players show up and they are 
they feel like they have nothing to play for. They feel like they're yeah. they're what they showed up to do this season has already come and gone. Then I could see Texas definitely winning this game. Yeah, but, and that, that's but, such a big thing um, with a lot of these these bowl games that make it so difficult to predict. It's who's who's really wants to play these games and who is just disappointed that that's where they are. Right. So um, I, I mean, uh, officially, I'm I'm taking Georgia because I think they're the better football team. But I I think that it's important to consider the attitude here. Yes, and I think just to make a, a quick point about the attitude before we move on, Georgia, their coach Kirby Smart was up until 1 a.m. telling people why he deserved to be in the college football playoff the night he lost to Alabama. After Texas was selected to the Sugar Bowl, coach Tom Herman was saying how proud he was of his team, how happy he was for them that they got a chance to be in a New Year's Six game. So the attitude right there, it sounds like Texas is... Uh, definitely going to be happier about their situation than georgia is yeah texas Whether is back not, this year baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay cool hook them yeah I, although uh, one of my favorite things that happened here in oklahoma uh did you hear about the controversy with the horns down hand signal yes yep i, I think that's pretty funny there's yeah. there was a uh dance competition every thunder game they give out a thousand dollars to whoever can dance the best like whoever can win the uh the the crowds uh, m- the most applause from the crowd when they dance when the camera's pointed at them and uh it was like a though i was at it was uh hawks at thunder and there was this one lady wearing a tutu and she was getting a lot of applause and there's other woman who was barely wearing anything at all she was shaking it all and everyone was loving that too and then they pointed at this old lady who all she had to do was throw the horns down and <laughs> the whole place went nuts and she ended up going home with the thousand dollars i awesome. thought that was so much fun um so uh as much as that di- uh, that was disrespectful um I still, I think it's cool that Texas is back, especially because I live in Oklahoma, seeing that rivalry mm-hmm. come back alive. Because OSU, OU, even though the la- their last two bedlams have been close and and like fun games, I still think OU is a much better program. Uh, yep. So that pretty much. Yeah, I guess. So real quickly though, Cox versus Virginia, Belk Bowl, December 29th. You think we're gonna pull it off and end the season on a high note? Big time, baby. Yeah, I'd love to see it. No Debo, Samuel kind of hurts, but it would definitely be nice after the uh, disappointing season. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always going to root for my cocks, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. Again, like, I I think Will Muschamp just secured most wins for a head coach in his first three seasons. Is that uh, – I'm pretty sure that is the statistic he just yeah. secured. So I, I'm not disappointed at this point, but – yeah. Let's keep this I mean, trending in the right direction. Four to seven and five is just my my thought on that. But yeah, no, I I, I do agree. It would, be, it would definitely be nice to to knock knock them off and get that that eighth and final win. We're we're a work in progress. Let's see Bentley yep. do well uh, out there. So, um, but okay, college football. That's uh, let's let's put a <laughs> lid on it and move yep. on to our next segment. Yep. So let's uh, finish things up today with our top five and. Next week, I will be joining Ben's other podcast, Affable Chat, to talk about Dodgeball, a true underdog story, a movie starring Vince Vaughn, and that's one of my my favorite comedies of all time. Very excited for that. And to get ready for that, we decided to break down the best 
movies that we saw for the first time in the year 2018 in our top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. Yes, and I've done 30. So we just released episode 39 of Apple Chat this morning. And uh, most of the movies we've done for Apple Chat are movies that I had never seen before. So I've seen a lot of movies for the first time this year. And uh, I think that was a good way to kind of recap it. So I'll go ahead and go first here. Uh, My number five, I picked 8 Mile from 2002. Uh, I think everybody knows, everyone's heard of this movie at least, because it has such a legendary conclusion uh, with the rap battle. And the the thing that makes this movie special, I mean, obviously the thing that makes it special is it has Eminem, but Mm -hmm. uh, you have to consider what that actually means. And it means that all the rapping inside of this movie is actually legit. Like it's, it's good rapping and and it's really easy to rap and sound like a clown, uh, and, and, (laughs) and not be impressive, but Eminem really takes good care of everybody in this, whether it's him or other characters rapping, he, he brings the heat and it makes it a really satisfying, uh, fun film. I'm not going to say it's groundbreaking cinema, but it is, it was, uh, definitely unique experience having Eminem be involved in a movie like this. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I love Eminem. Great movie. Lose Yourself is you know, it's still one of my favorite rap songs ever. So Yeah, and it's about time for me. I had heard so yep. much about this movie. Yep. I had yeah, to I'm finally see it. surprised you hadn't watched it till now. Yeah. So my number five is uh, an even older movie that is about time that I finally watched it, and that's Caddyshack, uh, 1980. That is uh, one of the, the classic 80s sports comedies and one of my parents' favorite movies. Uh, they they always loved it. I was always you know too young. Uh, it seemed like to actually watch it with them. But finally this this summer when I was uh, back home nursing my my wisdom teeth, my my parents decided that we were gonna throw it on one night, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. I think it was a great movie, and uh, I put it just over Bull Durham, which was another '80s sports uh, comedy, more of a rom com. Uh, that that my parents loved and you know they would have killed me if I didn't put at least one of those on this list so Caddyshack comes in as my number five big Bill Murray fan nice I I haven't seen Caddyshack either but the I found out the the more I've done this podcast the more people recommend films to me the longer the list grows of movies I need to see (laughs) that I haven't but you know we're we're tackling one one movie at a time uh my number four is Lego Batman from 2017. I it was the this is the first Lego movie I've seen and they are so much fun. I I mean a lot of people have good feelings about Legos from their childhood. Uh, they remember how creative Legos uh, help you become or at least they let you express yourself because you can build whatever you want and and uh i just it was just a big part of my childhood uh so getting to see those legos come to life on screen in itself is a really fun experience but also the way that the movie is written uh it's it's very funny very clever very rewatchable because it's so packed full of little easter eggs and uh humor that may go over the head of some of the, the heads of some of the children that you might think this movie is intended for so i think it's a really fun yeah. film for uh, all ages and uh an essential part of any uh batman filmography because it is very much about batman so i've actually never seen any of the lego movies i i loved legos as a kid i don't know if they just came out too late for me to be interested in seeing them 
but I, I've heard the the original Lego movie is fantastic. Like I'm a big Will Ferrell fan. It's his highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes at like 97%. So I, I think that's something that I do need to watch it, you know, at some point. And then Lego Batman eventually will will get on that. Uh, definitely a, a fun fun movie to include at number four for you. Yeah, we, we did it as part of our Batman series. We did four different Batman movies from four different decades. And uh, I, I would say this movie seems, it, it appears to be marketed towards kids. And obviously it's not the most serious movie in the world, but mm-hmm. definitely worth your time. All right. Uh, my number four, also a kid's movie. And that is Incredibles 2, which is uh, one of the movies on my list that came out in the year 2018. And admittedly, I don't think I would put Incredibles in my top five Pixar movies, but I did thoroughly enjoy the sequel. It was a movie I, I knew I had to see. And uh, Jack-Jack, just you know, finding superpowers, he was, he was phenomenal in the movie. Like, it just totally outrageous. I think he really made this movie. Um, I, I thought the action scenes were very impressive, uh, pretty intense for a kid's movie. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that aspect, which is not something I expected going in. And while I did find it a little predictable, I do think it's a a fun family movie, uh, you know, for for us who were, you know, eight, nine years old when the the original first came out, it's definitely nice to to be able to get some of that nostalgia in the, the theaters this summer and see the sequel. Right. I, I It was definitely... I also saw Incredibles 2 in theaters because how could you not after seeing the yeah. first one? And I would argue that this movie delivers. It's not, it didn't blow me away, but at the same time, there was so much hype around it being 14 years late that mm-hmm. I, I thought that they gave, what they gave us was worth making the sequel, even if it was so yes. late. So I, I, yeah, uh, I, agree. I respect its position on your top five. Um, moving back to my list, my number three is the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, Wes Anderson film. And uh, tw- the year 2018 is the year I was introduced to Wes Anderson films. Uh, and this is my favorite at the moment. It's uh, very, uh, in, in the podcast you did about this one, we tried to limit how many times we use the word aesthetic because that's very, very uh, much a, uh, a, uh, rele- a a relevant word when you're discussing Wes Anderson films. Uh, it's especially interesting because the movie changes its aspect ratio based on uh, where the story is being told uh, because the story is actually a book that is... Uh, like it's a inside of a book that someone is telling a story. So there's multiple perspectives going on. It's a very uh, like a film lovers film, and uh, it's also just a great ride. There's a lot of nice colors and some fun cameos in there. Uh, I, I could gush about this movie for like forever, but I really enjoyed finally seeing Grand Budapest Hotel, which is by the way from the year 2014. Yeah, actually, it sounds familiar to me. I don't know if I. I would recognize this movie in any way, but you know, having at your number three, it's it's got to be a good one. And uh, I assume that this was this was an affable chat recommendation. Oh yes, oh, yes. big time. Or, okay. Oh oh yeah. no, we chose this was no. back in the early days before anybody was early listening days. to okay. us. So we okay. we actually I chose this one, although I, I've had it recommended to me in my personal yeah. life many times. Uh, but uh, again, all Wes Anderson films come highly recommended. So uh, this is just one of them, and I I plan on adding to the list uh, of Wes Anderson films I've seen because they're good. The other one I saw this year was Isle of Dogs, stop motion, very artsy, yeah. very fun, uh, great movie. All right. 
Um, so uh, for two of my top three, I, I actually saw them both for the first time in the same week a few months ago. And uh, number three is Spotlight. And this was the Academy Award winner for Best Picture in 2015. And I was inspired to watch it, admittedly, from the uh, church scandals uh, that happened in Pennsylvania this summer. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie starring Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, and Liev Schreiber. Uh, great cast as a spotlight team that uh, back in 2001 for the Boston Globe investigated the uh, the Archbishop of Boston, Cardinal Bernard Law, and uh, just the, the church and uncovered some findings that there, there might have been some uh, a lot of shady stuff hiding priests who abused kids and you know it's certainly a, a sensitive subject and uh very very compelling movie from that it it is it does have its sad sad moments in it but i do think it's just a, an all-around great film and uh, i'm glad that i finally decided to watch it after three years because uh you know it, it was the best best movie according to the academy awards and i, I definitely think that it, it lived up to some of that lofty expectations I don't always agree with the Academy Awards because I think a lot of the individual awards from that end up being um, very politicized. I mean, are we supposed to pretend that Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't a good actor until Revenant? You know, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do think that their uh, best picture is a good recommendation, obviously, uh, and they're mm -hmm. worth seeing. So I, I, I actually, now that you've described it, I, I remember when Spotlight came out and it's, uh, it sounds really interesting. It especially I I noticed you were a little bit reluctant when you're mentioning that it's sad, but that's one of the best things about cinema, yeah. right? Is that they yeah. can it help you can experience these emotions, uh, and also it's kind of a like. Although this one's based on real, I was gonna say you yeah, can experience these emotions, but it's not real. But this one is no, so. this one it is. It's a true story, <laughs> yes, and I I think that's the sad part about it. Really, is that it, it is a true story. It stuff happened. And, um, it, you know, I guess has a happy ending if, if you can call it that. No spoilers, but, but. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> um, but all right, so we'll move on to my number two, which coincidentally is also your number two. Yep. And that's an Avengers Infinity War, the most ambitious crossover movie in history. Yep. And it lived up to the hype. I, I wasn't sure what to expect going in. Admittedly, I, so I'm not a huge superhero movie fan, but I do really love the Avengers series. I love getting all of, all of the uh, heroes from the Marvel movies together, and I, I love this movie. Me too. I, I, you said it. Uh, they delivered. It was a lot of expectations. This has been they've been building towards this movie for a really long time. Thanos has been mentioned in yep. after credit scenes for years now, and we finally got to see it. And it absolutely not only did it satisfy uh, or live up to the expectations, I think it exceeded it. It it, yep. um, it defied the uh, the norm for superhero movies uh, with Thanos actually winning. And uh, mm -hmm. I. I my jaw hit the floor at the end of this movie and it's i'm so excited to see it continued um but in itself a really satisfying movie going experience yeah yeah i actually saw it twice in theaters i saw it at first in uh 3d imax and then a week later i saw it in 2d not a huge fan of 3d so i was glad that i got to see it in 2d uh but both both great 
great viewing experiences and definitely worth seeing twice in less than 10 days. And uh, I certainly expect to watch it sooner rather than later. Yes, I, it's apparently it's coming to Netflix on Christmas, and I definitely oh, nice. plan on watching it soon after that. I know you can yeah. buy it right now, but I'm like, I already yeah. pay for Netflix, so I'm just yeah, going to wait. Right. I'm watching other movies for Apple Chat, believe me. But <laughs> but this movie really delivers, and it, for me, it's like the big counter to the argument that like, superhero franchises suck. Uh, because, yeah. yeah, some superhero movies suck, and some hero, superhero movies are just for superhero movie fans. But mm-hmm. I think that this movie rewards you for having seen them all in a huge way that I can't think of another movie that does it like this. Uh, so it's it, it stands alone as far as the superhero movie genre goes, and it also stands alone in the year 2018 as one of my favorite films that I saw for the first time. And the fact that it's not your favorite film, uh, despite that, that review, tells me that your number one must be really good. Yes, and okay, so my number one, uh, is a movie that obviously I saw for the first time this year, but it was also a movie that I never really considered seeing in the past because of the way that I viewed it based on the commercials. Uh, the, my number one movie that I saw for the first time in 2018 is Sucker Punch. This movie, from a glance, is a hyper uh, computer graphics infused uh chauvinistic action show that really there's no way that it has any sort of substance behind it it looks like transformers plus hot chicks but nothing could be further from the truth this movie opened my eyes to cinematic tropes and uh things that we expect as an audience and having that flipped around on us in a way that i'd never even thought of before and it kind of changed the way that i view cinema uh this was i think our third episode of affable chat and sitting down and breaking down this movie and understanding uh what this movie has to say uh i think caught me up on years that of like movie viewing that i hadn't experienced before i'm being kind of vague but the the whole the the name of the movie sucker punch isn't about actually getting punched. It's a sucker punch because of the way that it defies your expectations. And it, it it's still the most impactful movie that, I, that I've that i seen uh, so far for this podcast. And we've seen some good ones. So I uh, I think sucker punch for me, it, I guess if I can just boil down one aspect of it that really changed it for me is, you know, when you go see like a Transformers movie and it's really got some amazing sound design and you see some really amazing graphics like you see these robots come to life and fight each other and punch the crap out of each other but you there's something missing you're you're not as this should be really awesome but it just comes across as something cheap but sucker punch takes that and gives you a reason to be satisfied by the completely unreal and uh, bizarre and, and just uh, something that can't exist in real life where they'll put a gratuitous amount of computer graphics and uh, you know girls wearing uh, barely any clothing but they the way that the story is told and it again it's really hard to describe without actually watching it it gives you a satisfying reason why all that stuff is happening and it, and it just blew my mind so highly recommend uh, Sucker Punch a movie that I reference way too often on the podcast actually something that Joey my <laughs> co-host likes to call me out on but um, yeah. again I know that was vague 
but you should see it. It's a good movie. That was that was a, a long description, and I, I'm actually really surprised uh, hearing that because I I definitely don't recognize this movie. But just looking at the the Wikipedia page, it says that the film underperformed at the box office and was negatively received by critics. Yes, and it's so that's, it, it's yeah, and again, it's because it's misunderstood. The way that it looks, it looks like the the opposite of what it actually is, and it's doing that on purpose. I mean it. Again, Interesting. I would encourage you to watch it. And if you still aren't convinced to listen to our episode of Affable Chat, because we break down exactly why this movie is great. Uh, and for me, as specifically for me, it was my favorite of 2018. All right. Great. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely not a movie that I would think that I would see. But I guess based off that review, I, I would think that uh, that's something that me and our listeners should should give a shot. Yeah, I was the same way when because Joey recommended it to me, and I was like, "What is this movie?" And get, get, I mean, just prepare yourself to be sucker punched. All right, sounds good. Um, so to wrap things up, my number one uh, saw this the same week as I saw Spotlight, and that is Boogie Nights, nineteen ninety seven, starring Mark Wahlberg as Dirk Diggler who was a you know at, at the time this was filmed in the night or takes place in the late 70s he was a rise or fictitious rising adult film actor who was discovered by film producer jack horner played by the late burt reynolds and burt reynolds that was what inspired me to check this movie out because uh, I read a lot of articles saying that, you know, this is Burt Reynolds' best movie, which uh, blows my mind because he's been in so many things. Uh, but I, I love this movie. It's definitely long. It, you know, just based on the subject, it, it's certainly raunchy. Um, <laughs> I watched it by myself. Uh, I'm definitely glad that it wasn't a movie I watched like my parents, per se. Uh, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who apparently didn't get along. Uh, like him and Reynolds did not get along during the making of the film to the point where after seeing a rough cut of the movie, Burt Reynolds fired his agent, but then he went on to win the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he did well. He The Academy Award he lost was to Robin Williams for playing Dr. Sean McGuire at Goodwill Hunting. So hmm. tough competition with it that is one. tough. <laughs> but... But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, if you have a lot of time in your hands, I actually had to watch this uh, over two nights because I think I threw it on at like 9 p.m. on a Thursday and then like 11. I was like, oh, there's still two or an hour left in this. So I was like, I got to go to bed. Um, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. And, you know, if you can you can get over the, the subject, I know it might not be for everyone. Uh, I do think it's a good one to watch, uh, especially just you know, to honor the, the late, great Burt Reynolds. Did it uh does it feature the song Boogie Nights by Heatwave? That's a great question. Um I do remember some of the songs that came on uh that I like actually recognized, but I, I don't know. That might be too meta. That might uh take you out of the <laughs> I'm pretty sure all of the, the songs that it featured were from like nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty two or something like that. Uh you know, like whenever the, the it actually took place. But Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we we look. I look forward to talking more film with you uh, this uh, this coming week, Corey. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and you know, just a, a reminder for all the the fans at home who may not know about Ben's other podcast. It is Affable Chat. It is also available on SoundCloud, 
iTunes, and Spotify. That's right. Wherever you get yes. your podcasts, basically, you can find us. Yep, and somewhat related, our podcast is also going to be on Spotify very soon, if not already by the time you're listening to this. So uh, if that's your preferred listening medium for you know other podcasts, music, whatever, uh, you can now check us out there. So that's all we have for you today. In a couple weeks, we'll come back with our holiday special, our final podcast of 2018. And uh, definitely looking forward to that. You know, we'll still have our sports stuff, but we'll, we'll put a bit of a Christmassy theme behind it. So that should be a fun episode to wrap up this year. So, Ben, do you have anything to leave our listeners with? Uh, go Average Joes. Hey, all right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>